talk a little bit about that, but really want to spend the bulk of our time in the scripture today. So hopefully you had a chance to listen to the uh, the worship songs, maybe worship along in your uh, house there. Let's uh, let's have a word of prayer. We're going to dig into uh, Mark chapter 10, okay? Father, we thank you for the technology that allows us to be together even when we uh, can't be together in uh, one physical location. And I pray that you would bless our time. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts and we pray that you would uh, move, Lord, that you'd be glorified in uh, our meeting uh, today. We ask that you would uh, exalt, that you would lift up Jesus, and we pray that uh, we'd be able to see uh, him clearly in our text today. Thank you so much for uh, the love that you have for us and for the hope that we can have, for the, the assurance that we can have, especially from uh, verses like these that we have in uh, Mark chapter 10 today. So we pray you bless our time together, and we pray that you would move in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to try, if I can, to uh, just share my screen. And uh, first, I've got a, I've got a PowerPoint that I'll show you in just a minute. But then, uh, so if you're, if you're um, watching on TV or on your phone, or if you're using an iPad from across the room, you're you're probably not going to be able to see these words. But maybe you have a Bible. We're in uh, Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, we're going to start reading verse 17. I'm going to read from 17 down to 31. And Mark says this, And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. Verse 20. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus looked at him, loved him, look at Jesus looking at him, loved him, and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult it will be for those who, are, those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? Verse 27, Jesus looked at them and said, with man it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, see, we have left everything and followed, followed you. Jesus said, truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father uh, or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. We have... Uh, it, all of us, our personal experience, we can see that as, as far back as there have been human beings, 
people have been thinking that uh, to be uh, rich is uh, to have it all together. If we have if we have money, then we're obviously blessed by God. A person with plenty of means, the thinking uh, tends to go, is that's the kind of person that we should try to be like. But in our passage today, we're going to see uh, really a more accurate picture of the kind of security that wealth can bring to a person. Certainly in days like these, when there are uh, issues about, uh, can I get the food I need for my family for the next few weeks? Or do I have access to the health care that I need? And some of these kind of things, we, we would see that uh, people with means have access to things that people with means don't have access to. But this, this text is really clear that though this person had lots of things in their possession, there was one thing that they didn't have, and that was security about how their life was going to go or how their eternity was going to go once their life was uh, over. So in the story about this rich young man, I want us to see a couple of things. And the first one is this. Uh, the, um, the title I gave this was how, how to Come to Jesus, How You Can Come to Jesus. And so the first way that uh, we – the first thing we need to see is that our, our status and our money and our possessions – cannot help us to enter into the kingdom of God. This young man comes to Jesus, and he has plenty of money. He's been leading a a really good life up until now. He still, though, doesn't have any peace about his eternal destiny. We we can say, well, how do you know he's been a pretty good guy? It's, it's, It's clear in verse 20. He says to him, teacher, all these things I have kept for my youth. He says, Basically, what do I need to do, Jesus, to be saved? And Jesus points him back to the Old Testament law. And this young man says, I've done all those things. What else do I still need to do? He's, he's rich, but he has no uh, security in his heart about what his destiny will openly, uh, ultimately be. And so the first thing that we really see from this story is that all of this, the status, the money, the possessions, all these things have no impact on whether or not we will enter into the kingdom of God. And so we can't come to Jesus confident in our own goodness. We just we just can't do it. The young man comes and he, he says, I've done all of these things. And when he says that, he's really saying more about what he understands about the law than he is about his own behavior. He's thinking that the law was for him achievable, that he had done all the things that he was supposed to do. That's pretty common for us as people. We tend to think, I'm a pretty good person. And the problem with us thinking that we're pretty good people is that we tend to measure that against people that we think that are worse than ourselves. We almost never measure ourselves against people that we feel like are better than us. We say, well, I'm a, I'm a pretty good person. We, we view that based on if we're better than people who are worse than us around us and so we we see that we can find reason to be confident in ourselves but it's not the kind of confidence that's really going to help us with uh, our relationship with god jesus comes to this uh young guy and he says you know you've done all those things congratulations basically you you've done that stuff there's still something that you're missing and where we see the second thing that we're missing is this you can't come treasuring anything more than you treasure jesus he says you you've done it all great you're still missing something and he tells him then that's that's the point where he says the the money the possessions these are the problem for you 
uh, money and possessions may, may not be your problem, right? Sometimes the lack of money causes us to really make an, an idol out of money. If we had a little bit more, then we could care for families better or whatever, and we, we think about money uh, all the time. This guy happened to have money and possessions. That was his problem. For you, it might be something else, right? Maybe if you can only find the, the perfect spouse, if you can only get the right job, if your kids could only get the right uh, test results or get into the right schools, or it could be a million different things in your life. But if we treasure anything more than we treasure Christ, then we are going to find that we have problems entering into the kingdom of God. If we think back about the just the last week uh, and the loss of freedom that we've all had, right? We haven't been able to make our own decisions about where we'll go and uh, how we'll spend our time. We've been stuck in our home. We, we've lost a lot of uh, the personal freedom that we enjoy day to day. And that kind of uh, freedom, those kind of uh, the ability to make decisions like that can become a real idol for us. We can, we can be so concerned about controlling our own lives that we're not listening to what the Lord has to say about how he would have us live. So Jesus, he comes to this young guy, and he looks right at him, and I, I think the scripture really tells us clearly, with a lot of love in his heart, he says, I want you to sell all of that stuff that you're counting on and give that money to the poor. Leave all of that behind, and I want you to come, man, follow me. And the guy just doesn't like it. We see that in the text. He just goes away brokenhearted. He goes away sorrowful. If we think about our own ability to control things, uh, maybe our, our own happiness becomes an idol for us. But any of these things that we treasure more than we treasure the Lord, we're going to find ourselves in a dangerous place. We have this uh, feeling maybe sometimes like I couldn't live without something, right? And anything that we would put in that spot, I can't live without this thing. It's dangerous for us as believers. The thing that we can't live without is Christ. The other thing that we may be challenging, may be difficult, may be painful, it may require uh, incredible adjustment in our lives, but we can live without most of those things. So Jesus tells the man, and the man goes the way sad, and so we see this turn, then Jesus tells the disciples uh, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter into the kingdom of God. Um, I think this is uh, kind of amazing, right? I, 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 I've heard this story, uh, I don't know, for the past 20 or 25 years uh, pretty consistently. I actually knew a lady uh, a few years ago who went to Jerusalem, and when she came back, she had a picture of the camel's gate there was a thing called the camel's gate and it, it said it was a a difficult place for a camel to get through you can get a camel through there but it said it was actually hard for the person and it was hard for the animal the only problem with that kind of thing is that nothing like that existed for 500 years at least until after jesus lived so jesus lived he told this uh, story and then 500 years later they come up with something that they're calling the camel's gate this is a real problem that we've had through the course of Christianity. We take a, a teaching of Jesus, and we seek to actually make it easier to obey than it really is. If we thought about this, we would see that that, that makes no sense, right? They have the, the gate, and they would say this uh, gate was only open at night, and you had to totally take everything off the camel, and you had somehow to get down on its knees and crawl through this gate. 
And if that was the case, then what Jesus would be saying in this particular text, he would be saying, it's really, really hard for a rich person to get themselves into heaven, but they can do it. It's really hard, but they can do it. And I don't think that's what he's saying here at all. I think that he is saying it is impossible. It is impossible for rich people to get themselves into heaven. And the reason that I think that he's saying it's impossible is because uh, when he says it in verse 25, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of heaven. They were all, verse 26, exceedingly astonished and said to him, who could even be saved then? If rich people can't be saved, no one can be saved. That was the way that the disciples understood it when they first heard it. If that, if the rich people can't be saved, there's no hope for a person like me, a fisherman, a normal human being like me. And this is the thing that I that this is the reason that I think it's such a a great great teaching because Jesus is saying it is impossible for you, but it's not impossible for God. Actually, we picked the story up a few verses before. Uh, in Mark 10, 13, you, I think you looked at this last week, that it says that the, the children, parents are bringing these children to Jesus, and the disciples are rebuking them, saying, get these kids out of here. And then Jesus says, let the children come to me. This is uh, Mark 10, 14. Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belong the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And so what we have is uh, we have this this teaching in uh, 10 through 16. If you don't receive the kingdom like a child, you're not going to go into it. Absolutely not going to go into it. And then he immediately follows that with this story about a person who won't receive it by faith. Instead, they're trying to earn their way. I've done all of those things. What else do I still have to do? And so this, I think, points us to the beauty of the gospel because Jesus is telling people to do something that is impossible. He says it's it's just like trying to take a camel and to shove it through a needle. And that's not difficult. It's impossible. A camel won't fit inside a needle. It just, it's not going to happen. And so Jesus tells him to do something impossible, and then he himself accomplishes the thing that is impossible on behalf of his people. That's the, that is what the beauty of the gospel is. He says, uh, obey. He says, put your faith in. He says, trust me in everything. And then he does that stuff, and then he, he gives us the ability to obey it in a way that we could never obey on our own. He says, love me more than anything else, and then he gives us the Holy Spirit so that we can love him more than anything else. We can't do it on our own. Then finally, Jesus, uh, he's talking to Peter, and Peter takes him sort of back to the young man in verse 28. Peter says, uh, the thread of the story, sell these things and give to the poor, then come follow me. And Jesus and Peter says, hey, we, we left all of our stuff. We sold our things, and we, we followed you. And Jesus, in uh, verse 28, Peter, Peter says to him, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus says in verse 29, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers uh, or sister or mother or father or children or lands for my sake or for the gospel 
who will not receive a hundredfold now and in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecution and in the age to come eternal life. And this is really perfectly illustrated for me today because here I'm, here I'm looking at you. I'm looking at you in Malaysia and I'm looking at you in the Philippines and I'm looking at my own mom who's also on the stream. They're just, we have people from all over the world. And, and you've been multiplied into my life as we've been obedient to Christ. We, we gave up for lots of years, and we gained more than we could ever have imagined. So he tells them, sure, you've left some things behind, and you're going to get some things uh, in, in uh, return for that, right? We have uh, this part of us where JB is our home. Malaysia is our home, and we, we feel that. We feel that we've gained brothers and we've gained sisters. And you know what? We've also gained difficulty in persecution. We've, we've really come to understand that life won't always be easy in the way that we think that it should be sometimes. Jesus tells him, though, you have greater treasure that's to come. This is eternal life that you're going to receive. And then here's the thing. Who receives it? The person who is last will be first. The person who's last will be first. And so who's the last? I think that's what takes us all the way back. This it goes together from verse 13 to verse 31. Who's going to receive it? The, the person who receives it like a child. The gospel is incredibly simple. It's a, it's a very simple but very challenging thing. Jesus died on the cross to redeem us from our sins. He was buried. He was raised again on the third day. And now he says... If we're willing to repent of our sin and to place our faith in him, that he is able to receive the things that we are ultimately will be able to receive the things that we ultimately hope for. We'll, we'll, if we have faith in him, we'll have peace and we'll have meaning and we'll have assurance that I know for sure what's going to happen to me when I die. Look how this story comes together. We receive it like a child or we don't receive it. That's in verse 14 and 15. Receive it like a child or you're not going to receive it at all. Then he gives us this negative example that comes through. Receive it like a child or you won't receive it. And here's a picture of a guy who would not receive it like a child. And he ended up not receiving it. And so the disciples pick up on that theme at the very end, right? Leave everything and follow me. And the disciples say, we left everything. We, we followed you. And he says, you know what you're going to get for that? You're going to get new brothers and sisters and lands and houses and mothers and persecutions. And in the age to come, you get eternal life. Amen. And then you have this beautiful thing, I think, at the very end. But even the fact that Peter and the disciples and many of you would say, well, we did leave everything and we followed him. And even that kind of sacrifice is not what wins us favor from God. The thing that wins us favor from God is that we receive Jesus like a child. If we don't receive it like a child, receive him like a child, we won't receive it at all. This was like joining a club, right? We would we'd sign a card and we would pay our dues and we would have our part. Or our parents are members and so therefore we're members, but it's not like that at all. We have, uh, we have this opportunity that we can um, instead walk with uh, Jesus and God will be refining us day by day. It's going to be uh, moving in our uh, hearts, and that refining is not always easy. It's it's hard on us in times like these to be uh, separated out from the things that we've known 
um, the things that have helped us so much as part, in part of our Christian journey, just having the church around, having brothers and sisters, being able to meet, have Bible studies, and do these things together. These days are a challenge, and I, I'm honest. If I'm really honest, I can tell you I'll go sometimes this week from incredible optimism to just laying in bed thinking, what? what's going to happen to us? What's going to, what's, how is this going to go? And in those moments, I think all we can do is just, is just push our hope back onto the Lord and say, I gave up, I gave up everything. I have no hope but you. I've, gi- I've given up everything that I've got. You're the only hope that I have. And I believe, I believe that you're all that I'm going to need. When we have these difficulties, then we can, through this process, we can learn to trust him more and more. So as we kind of bring it to a close, I, I, the question is this, what do we, what do we need to see here? I think there's an incredible reward coming for those of us who are in Christ. But our internal life isn't repayment for uh, us living an awesome life of obedience. Our, our, uh, our part in Christ is not a repayment for our good works. We have eternal life in Christ because we've placed our faith in Jesus. So when we're tempted to love things more than we love Christ, when we're tempted to try to control things and not let him control things, we have to we have to give that up. We have to confess it for the idolatry that it is and instead throw ourselves back on him, trusting in his great grace. The world, especially now, is telling us we really need to take care of ourselves and provide for our own selves and worry about our health and worry about our bank account and worry about our own abilities. I'm not saying be irresponsible, but I do think it's really a time for us to trust the Lord as well. He's not going to leave us or forsake us. So I would say this should be a both both and kind of time, right? Trust the Lord and and wash your hands. Trust the Lord and take care of your family. Trust the Lord and, and be responsible. Trust the Lord and look for opportunities to make him known in our community. Uh, we, we can always find reasons to be afraid. We can always find reasons to not make an effort. But uh, I would hope during times like this that we will, that we will trust the Lord and that we will uh, make every effort to uh, live out the kind of upside-down lifestyle that, that his kingdom is like. The, the first are going to be last, and the last are going to be first. And so as the body of Christ, we can live that out in our world today. Let me pray for you, okay? Father, I do thank you for your love for us and for the grace that you've shown us. Lord, I thank you uh, even for this story about those children. I thank you for the story about this uh, young man, Lord, righteous as he was. uh, I still thank you for his uh, example, Lord, that he had done everything he felt like he needed to do, and yet he wasn't satisfied. And so I do recognize there was a a hunger in this young man's life, a a dissatisfaction, and Lord, I pray that you would keep a hunger and a and a spiritual dissatisfaction in our lives in many ways. We pray we wouldn't grow complacent. We pray that we wouldn't uh, fall into trusting in our bank accounts or trusting in the government or trusting in uh, any of these other things. We pray that you would, uh, Lord, you would show yourself to be trustworthy to us. And Lord, when uh, everything about our situation tells us we should just take care of our own selves, I pray that you would uh, help us to remember that the last are going to be first. And I pray that you would give us a heart for the people that are around us. So we just continue to pray for the people in Yemen. We pray for uh, the people throughout Malaysia that are locked down, people in the Philippines, Lord, in uh, Nigeria, and people that are in 
uh, the UK and in the United States, people that are in Canada and Lord South Africa and just in, in every country that I've looked at this week and uh, in Amsterdam where we just see a great need and concern and sickness. And so we pray, Jesus, that you would uh, bring about healing on our planet. We pray that you would uh, be working in your church. We pray that you'd be working in our families. We ask that you would uh, just go with us through this week. Help us, Lord, to be lights uh, as much as we can from our homes during these days, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um...